Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the fifth episode of the free podcast, Finance, Real Estate, Entrepreneurship. And we have our first guest on here. He goes by Josh, but he goes more well-known by The Market Hustle, over 470,000 followers on Instagram. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invite. I'm excited to uh, dive into some topics with y'all. Yeah, so basically, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the niche. Like, was that a few years back or last year, two years? I mean, how long have you had the page? Yeah, so I, I've actually had, I've had the market hustle for uh, going on a little over three years now. And basically how it all started, um, jumping back, I've always been kind of obsessed with like marketing and kind of social media and whatnot. I, I've actually run a couple of different like dropshipping stores and I've been doing that on and off. So um, I, I've kind of, been involved with like social media one way or another for like the past i would say maybe five years give or give or take um so jumping into the niche um i i noticed or i i i saw a couple of pages like that were finance related like three or four years ago and and they were actually pages that i followed now when i started like three years ago the finance niche wasn't really developed like it was still kind of just getting started on instagram and you know it, the content out there was garbage you know because because we it was just a bunch of people just kind of winging it just throwing stuff out there so um i thought to myself I'm like oh well i could do that like i can kind of just throw content out there like everybody else is doing so um, I started that, um, I want to say, I, I want to say the exact day, I think it was January 2018 is when I actually officially started it. So, um, and it basically just started as a hobby. Like I was just kind of, I've always been obsessed with investing as well. So I would just kind of throw out stuff like as I was learning, like I would kind of throw out what I learned on the social media. And that's actually the best way that I learned. Like I, I like to go and learn something and then teach it to others. Cause then it kind of re um enforces it into like my mind and everything um and if i can if i can explain it to people in simple terms then i figure that i, I that i've kind of learned it myself so i've always been a fan of that that type of learning so that's kind of the approach i took with my page and that's kind of how i started it um and so i was literally just doing it as a hobby like i would just kind of throw out content um and then one thing led to another of course like as social media and instagram in general started to you know gain momentum um, you know, the niche started to grow, more people started to jump into the, the Instagram world and not only the Instagram world, but the finance world. Um, so the pages, um, the more pages got involved, um, more content was being out there. And then with that, I mean, it, it's kind of like the rising tides lifts all ships type of thing to where the, the niche now is like a massive, I mean, you're in, you're in the finance niche now, so you, you understand. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, how, yeah, it was not like this when I first started three years ago, there was probably like two or three pages like max. Um, like main pages and um, yeah, when I when I jumped in, it was it was really just kind of like a the wild wild west where, uh, I mean, it still kind of is that way, but um, it was a lot easier to uh, gain momentum um, when when not a lot of people were kind of in the niche itself. So yeah, so it's it's, it's a lot different now and it's a lot more I, I would say probably competitive because like obviously we're all kind of competing for like attention, right? I mean that's that's the whole thing. But the cool thing about it is everybody everybody in the niche is like super friendly and willing to kind of help each other out and uh, which which I love and and that's why I, I really take the the analogy of the rising tides lifts all boats to, to heart because the more we can help each other grow our pages and like put out better content, the more people we're going to be able to attract into the niche itself and the more impact we'll all be able to have in trying to help people um, absorb like how to manage their money and, and how to, how to invest and whatnot. So that's kind of the approach that I've taken. Um, I've literally just been winging it the whole time. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm no professional. I'm, I'm 25 years old, so I'm still trying to figure it out myself, you know? 
Um, but I, I like that approach. Like I like the trial and error approach, which is what I, which I'm a fan of. Um, so, you know, I, I just throw out what works and, you know, constantly trying new things and new angles. And if it doesn't work, you cut it, try something else. You know, I, I, I really like that type of um, model. So which, which is perfect for social media, because that, that's kind of how you have to what you have to do to be competitive and to, and to grow your and grow your page and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's something that might have really paid off for you. And, and you talk about trying things and, and even failing things. And, and I think that maybe not having that fear of failing and just getting started and, and knowing that you are going to trip up and, and you'll redirect yourself from there is really important. But like, like you, like you mentioned, uh, teaching people and helping people, um, is something that you're really interested in. And so like for that, uh, I just sort of want to ask this quick question for you. So for the people that are listening, say somebody that is really has no experience, they have maybe a regular average job or job and income. What is like one actionable thing that they can do on the investment side to get moving in the, in the right direction? One actionable thing that they can do today and then what would be one actionable thing for social media? Yeah, good question. So I would say for the money thing, um, you definitely, I would say having a plan is the is the one thing you have to start with, right? Like you have to first set your goals. Like why are you wanting to get your finances in order to begin with? Because um, if you don't have like a North Star out there, then you're going to kind of just be sloppy with it and probably not stick with it. So I think kind of defining why you want to better your financial future is probably the best way to start with that. Uh, I mean, and obviously everybody can come up with they want to make more money, right? I mean, that's that's a common one. But I think really just defining like what you want to do, right? And maybe, I mean, I, I think financial freedom is one of the big ones that I see a lot of people like aim for, which I think is great because obviously everybody wants to have the leverage to be able to do whatever they want which I really, I, I mean, I'm a true believer that it, most people can't achieve that if they really set that out and keep their focus on um, investing more money and increasing their income and keeping your expenses low. Like, I, I really think if you stick to that formula, you can achieve financial freedom and have the leverage to do what you want. So I, I, that, that's what I would say the first thing to do is, is to figure out um, what your North Star is going to be. And then obviously make a plan, right? Like I, I call it a money plan. A lot of people call it, it's like a budget, right? I mean, you could do a budget, but I, I think some people... They, what happens is when you, when you think of a budget, everybody thinks they're constrained, right? I, I don't, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't think you necessarily need like a detailed budget. I think the one thing that you need to have is just to be able to make sure that you're not spending more than you're making. Like that's, that's the crucial thing. And that's the whole point of a budget. But some people just can't get into that depth that most, like there's, there's people in the finance niche who just preach like, oh, you have to have everything detailed. Like every dollar has to have a plan. And like, I, I think that's good for some people, but there's other people out there that just that depth would just kind of drive them crazy. And I don't think they're going to stick to it. So that's why I, I like to keep the plan. Like as long as you're not spending more than you're making, like you're going to be fine. Um, and, and in order to get to that point, you'll probably have to have some sort of budget, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stick to that. Like every, like you don't have to spend 30 hours a week, like planning out every single dollar, you know, as long as you get to the point to where it's a habit to where you're not spending more than you're making, you're going to be successful. And I, and I think that's, that's pretty much the only point that you really have to achieve when it comes to like trying to build wealth. Um, so that's the first takeaway for wealth the, for the fact for social media, I would say, um, <laughs> kind of similar where you're, it's still kind of like the planning stage. I think the most important thing with social media is you got to figure out who your target audience is, right? Um, a lot of people go out there and they get super broad. They're like, oh, I'm going to target everybody. And like, that's not a good strategy when you're just getting started. Like you really got to pick like a niche, like a very 
subset of people that you want to target and then you kind of grow from there and that's kind of the approach i've taken with my page like when i first got started like i, I mean I, I mean, I still kind of am just specifically index investing focused, but I've slowly kind of zoomed out and like now I'm getting into like more motivational posts, uh, posts and whatnot. And the reason why is because there's a bigger audience that is attracted to motivational posts versus just like finance posts. So, that, I mean, that's the strategy I've kind of shifted to to kind of bring more people into the finance niche itself um, is I'm trying to kind of attract that crowd that's attracted to like that. I mean, a lot of us, like everybody wants like that motivation to help them get started. But I want to I want to attract that crowd that like wants to make money fast and try to help them realize that the best way to make money is I mean, obviously, everybody wants to make money fast. But, you know, you got to you got to be able to be patient and um, kind of have a longer term focus. So that's kind of the approach I've been taking is to try to try to attract more of those people. So, like, yeah, you definitely got to zoom in and figure out who your target audience is going to be. And, and then what value you're going to bring them. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they get started with their social media pages, they, 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 they're kind of selfish with it to where they, they kind of put out content that they like and that they, um, kind of like just, they, like they think of themselves versus the audience. And like, you really have to put your, you have to put your perspective in the audience's eyes and like, why should they follow your page? Like, what are you going to bring to them that no other page is bringing them? Right. That's, that's what I say. Like, you got to, like build a page that somebody's gonna want to follow, like that you would want to follow if it wasn't your page. Like you have to have some sort of value there, and it, it can't just be copied and pasted from like every other page. Like you, you gotta, it's competitive, especially now. Like it's it's only gonna get more competitive. So you have to build a page that people want to follow, um, and and to do that, you have to put out a unique set of content. And I really think the best way to do that is just basically being yourself and kind of like putting content out in your perspective. And with your your actual words, um, I think that's kind of how you'll you'll actually be able to do well and stand out in the world because nobody can really compete with you. Like I'm big on the you versus you type of thing to where it really is just a competition with yourself. Like every content I make, like I try to outperform my past content. You know, I'm I'm not competing with anybody else in the niche. I'm competing with myself. Like that's it. Like and I think the sooner you realize that, the easier it kind of gets to um, to kind of gain that momentum. Because if you, if you just focus on the competition, then you're always going to think that, I mean, there's, you're always going to find a page that's better than you. I mean, even my page, there's, there's thousands of pages that are better than mine. But if you focus on those pages, you're not going to be able to really build your own. Um, and that's what matters, you know. So I, I would say, um, yeah, definitely focusing on your target audience um, and then focusing on adding value content. And then not only that, focus on competing with yourself versus um, other people. Right, right. I think the biggest thing that I've seen, I've only been in it for two months, three months or whatever. Um, I think I actually just crossed 5,000 followers. So like 1% of what you're at or whatever, but like, I mean, it's, it truly is uniqueness. I mean, when I first got into it, I did try the whole, you know, kind of put myself behind the brand and just kind of push content through that brand. And the more I tried to do that, I'm just like, this is so saturated and I, I thought it was going to be easy. I'm just like, man, I got some good content. It's not unique. Everyone's doing that. And and you, you got in as one of the first, and that is huge. You're either first or you got the best quality content. You got both. <laughs> you got both. So, yeah. It helps to get, helps to get first and it helps to have the best content. I mean, uniqueness is huge on Instagram, especially within that finance niche. I see so many pages. It's like, it's the same Warren Buffett quote. It's the same Elon Musk quote. It's it's like 
it's great, but there's 500 other pages doing that. And, and I think, you know, kind of where I found mine was with reels. I, I put out, you know, a reel, two, three, or whatever a week. I'm just like, this is personal, and they do semi-well. So that's kind of where I've had my majority of growth. But uniqueness is just huge in any niche. And I, I think you really hit it. It's underrated, man. I mean, and I, I think, I mean, it's easier to just copy out other content out there. And I mean, I mean, you've been in the niche a while, so you can see the trends, like what content's trending with people, like in the, in the general niche, which I think it's important to play to those trends. I mean, I play to them. Um, and it's easier as right, a bigger page right. to like, um, just take quotes and like post them, you know, because once, once you have that brand, like people more respect your brand than, than the actual quote. Well, they, they respect the quotes, but like your brand itself is more powerful to where if right, you're just getting right. started and you're just putting content out there, like nobody knows who your brand is. So it doesn't have that much value. You have to build that brand equity behind whatever, whatever mm -hmm. your page is, which people fail to realize. And the best way to do that, which, which like you were mentioning is, is have that unique content to start. And that's how you build that brand. And that uh, emotional connection with your audience is you want to put out content that's heartfelt felt. Um, and that's, that's how you'll build that brand equity around your, your Instagram. So um, I, I think it's good to play to trends. I, I would say the one thing you want to do, and this is what I focus on trying to do, and is like add your own twist to it. So if, if there's like a quote trending or whatever, or people are doing something, like take what that trend is and then just kind of add your twist to it. And there's your uniqueness right there. You know, you could literally play that game and you'll do a thousand times better than just copying and pasting content and doing all of that. So... Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And at the end of the day, it really is just a game of you versus yourself. I mean, um, like I said, as soon as you start focusing on other people, um, you, you know, that, that's going to be a big distraction and you're going to just start feeling demotivated because there's always going to be another page that's better than you. So you, you really just got to focus in on yourself and um, keep that um, keep that as your North Star versus every other page out there. That's just a distraction. Right. Right. So let's kind of like sidebar off of that. So do you have some type of nine to five or W2 job? And if you do or don't, either way, do you have any advice to those people with nine to fives who want to start a brand, start a side hustle? Like what's something that they could do while also doing their nine to five if they don't want to quit it? Yeah. So um, I, I did have a nine to five. Um, I, I'll backtrack a little bit. I, I worked at Open Door. Um, it's the real estate company. They, they recently went public. So I worked there for a little over a year. Um, and then I, I actually ended up... Um, putting in my resignation after they went public. And so I, I've been in real estate. I'm just going to backtrack a little bit more. I've been in real estate for, I want to say around three years. Um, I was a regular, like an independent agent. And then I jumped into open door because I saw what was going on and I wanted to kind of ride that trajectory and kind of help out where I could. Um, after they went public, I jumped out and went back into like regular real estate. So like now I'm back, back to like a 1099 independent contractor agent. Um, but yeah, I would say just to kind of answer the question directly, when I worked at Open Door, it was a lot easier to kind of focus on building my brand and my side hustles and my businesses. So like I am at no means, um, I, I think it's important to have some sort of stable income while you're trying to build some sort of side hustle, right? Um, I would I don't think I would have been able to build the market hustle like with as much quality as I, as I have um, without having that nine to five because having that job, I was actually able to focus like when you, when you have a 40 hour, 40 hours a week job, like that's all you got to put in. You don't have to worry about working outside of those hours. Like I was able to actually do my own side hustles outside of those hours to where now when I'm a 1099 agent, like it's pretty much like 24 seven, like I have calls all the time, you know, I, I have to generate my own sales and stuff like that. So it's harder to like focus in on your side hustles when you don't have a nine to five. 
Um, so I, I, I'm a big advocate of like having some sort of stable income to like build some sort of side hustle to kind of get that off the ground. Um, like use your nine to five to, to your advantage and keep that, that income coming in so you can actually focus on being creative, on building a side hustle that actually works. And, and then you'll be able to try new things and actually not be scared of like failings. Like you'll be able to throw a hundred or 200 bucks at like some sort of test marketing ad or whatever, and not have to worry about, I mean, obviously you want to return from it, but like worst case scenario, if you don't get a return from that, you still have a stable income coming in. So it's easier to kind of take those risks and um, really try new things when you, when you have some sort of stable income. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, I think a lot of people who, you know, trash nine to fives don't really give nine to fives the credit that they deserve. I mean, obviously nobody wants to work, you know, as, as like a uh, build somebody else's dream. Like I'm, I, I know that like everybody wants to do their own thing, which I think that's great, but um, you can really use nine to fives to your advantage by using them as like a base to like have that income coming in. And then, then you can start building your, your escape route or your escape plan on the outside. And I, I think that's underestimated and I don't think people give nine to fives the credit that they deserve for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel I feel your uh your comments about being 1099 and generating your own sales cuz I'm a I'm a real estate agent as well. And so working around the clock like that and uh that can definitely be a disadvantage and I think that you're definitely right that you can use a 9 to 5 as a tool um as a launching pad. So I I really like that and I really like that point of view instead of viewing the 9 to 5 as sort of a downside. But like you said having a nine to five and you said that after that you can have your your side hustles and everything but sort of outside of all that work what do you like to do what what do you do for happiness and just for fun for hobbies yeah so um i you know i actually like investing is pretty much my hobby like i've always enjoyed like going out there researching companies and like like investing and that's kind of why i started my instagram because that was that's what it started as a hobby so um, that's probably my hobby, but I do like to go like hiking and stuff. Like I'm, I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, so we have a, a lot of nice hikes out here. Um, so I, I do a lot of that. But um, yeah, as, as cliche as it sounds, like I, I, I'm a big fan of investing, and that's kind of where a lot of my excitement comes from. Yeah, uh, which good. I guess it's it's a it's a good hobby to have. So it's um, it's something I, I I like. So I'm not gonna be um, a Debbie Downer about it, but um, yeah, I mean. I, uh, I, I've been trying to like, cause I, I've ran into this problem to where it's, it's really easy to burn out on social media. Um, like I, I spend probably close to 50 ish hours a week on like making content, responding to DMS, um, and kind of networking in the niche and stuff like that. So it's, it's really easy to kind of get burnt out on all of that. So I've been trying to focus more on like finding things to do outside of like invet the investing world and social media. Um, so I, I, and that's, that's kind of why I've been doing a lot more hiking recently is cause it's, it's better to like get into like the nature so you can kind of zone out of like the hustle and bustle of the social media world. Cause it's, it's, it's really easy to, um, just put all of your attention into that and, um, kind of be engulfed by social media and the social media world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm nowhere even near on your level or your page's level, but like, I mean, I was nearing, I was nearing a burnout. I mean, last week or something. And it's just, I don't know if you do this, but you, do you turn off all notifications? Do you keep off, you know, the notifications of likes, like comments and stuff. And then do you kind of like set aside, um, when you're going to go on the app, when you're going to respond to stuff or do you keep it all on? 
I try, um, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. Um, I, I just what what I've done recently is I turned off notifications to where I only get notifications if I follow the person, which that definitely helped out a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Since before, like you know, if especially if you're at a at a like my my page right now, I, I get ma like massive amounts of comments and DMs and right. notifications, so I had to limit them, but. I mean, when I first started my page, like I, I wanted to respond to every single comment, every single DM, and I did for a while. But after a while, that I mean, I just it was kind of draining me um, emotionally, and like just it was just a lot. Yeah, it does. So, um, and I think it's important to like respond and engage with your audience because like that's how you build the brand equity, and you actually get people who you know core followers, which is the whole point of it. So like, and I and I like engage with my audience. Like I like to talk with people, and I. I I guess I'm kind of a teacher at heart because I like to help people kind of learn kind of from what I've gone through. So, um, it, but you, you got to have a balance, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Because if you if you don't have that balance and you just constantly let people or, or just constantly engage with social media, it's going to, you're going to kind of, you're going to burn out. Like that's, that's the simple fact of the matter. So um, what I've been trying to do is limiting my social media to where uh, I've been kind of like trying to time slot like two hours of DM time. And that's that's kind of what I've tried to focus on. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way because I like to constantly look at what's going on in the social media world. But um, I've gotten better at it. And I think that alone has really helped me um, kind of put out better content because I've been able to focus more on the content, which is the most important thing. I mean, content is king in the social media world. So um, that's where most of your energy should be going. Um, so that that's... I think ever since I've been working on these time blocks, it's helped me really focus more and um, be able to stay in that mindset of like putting out creative content and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And I, I think another big thing that I'm sure it's probably helped you, but not tying your emotions or your happiness to the level of engagement you're getting, because that was that was a huge problem for me in the beginning back in December. I'm just like, oh man, my likes dipped by 50 likes or whatever on this post from the last one. What what the heck? And it just, it was a constant scrolling up and down, like just refresh, refresh, like did I get another one? And it's just like, it took such a toll on my mental health. That's why I turned off all notifications. I'm just like, I can't be doing this. Like I need to focus my own time on the content. If I think the content, you know, reaches people or if I get, you know, two shares on that post, apart from like 20, I helped someone and, and that's all you can really ask for. I mean, do, I'm not saying don't take a look at your analytics, but when you're tying your emotions based off the number of comments you get, saves, likes, shares, it's it's just a recipe for disaster. 100%, and it's it's very similar to like investing, right? Cause like, it's, it's like the whole thing where you don't wanna tie your emotions to like your mm -hmm. portfolio performance. Cause if you do, then it's just gonna be a roller coaster and you're gonna drive yourself crazy. So it's very similar to that, to where you really have to focus on like the longer term vision and um, kind of reminding yourself like why you did it to begin with, which mine was to like make an impact to try to help people. So um, although some posts don't get as much engagement as others, like you're still gonna be reaching people with each post and mm -hmm. Like the, the way I look at it, as long as it kind of can impact like a couple people, then I, I figure that's a mission accomplished, right? So um, I, when I first got started, like especially in the beginning, it's really easy to fall into that that mindset because like everybody, when you, before you're like a social media influencer, um, you get into the mindset to where like likes matter and followers matter, which I would say even influencers still think that's the case. 
But um, once you start to like really build an audience, like you start to realize that the likes and followers like aren't that big of a deal. Like it's, it's more of like, it's more of the content that you're trying to put out there. And um, the, the people that you're able to impact, I think is the biggest, the biggest thing. So I, I always say like focus more on like just throwing out content and content that you enjoy making and that also can make an impact versus focusing in on the, the followers and the likes. Because um, if you if you fall into that category or, or that trap, then you're just going to end up into a, a place where you're constantly trying to hit that dopamine um, release on on the good content stuff. And, and that's that's a trap you don't want to fall into. It, it can that then you're basically a robot for Instagram and, and Instagram's telling you what to do. <laughs> it's, it's not a fun trap to fall into. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that can take a huge toll on mental health, sort of how Sam saw. And and I am not by any means big on Instagram whatsoever. I really haven't started building my page. I'm, I've am i been having a lot, of, a lot of projects go on outside of that. And I've sort of just been planning the direction that I want that page to go. And I want to come back to a question about that after I ask this question, uh, just because I'm interested to see at your scale how do you view new projects? Like, are you working on new projects in the field of social media and outside? And you say you're in real estate. Are you working on any projects on either side of the field? Or if not, uh, where do you see yourself going next? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I do. I like to have like multiple projects going on, which I mean, sometimes I think I might be spreading myself too thin, but it's something that helps me kind of continue to push forward. So I, I go with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do have a few real estate projects. Like I said, I'm in, I'm really into the marketing side of things. So I, I do a lot of social, like running Facebook ads and stuff to try to generate leads. So, um, that's something I, I do a lot. And that's, that's a project that I have ongoing on, on top of the, um, Instagram stuff. Um, and then I do have like other side projects where I, I mean, I'm currently working on trying to build some sort of like personal finance, um, coaching business type thing. Um, so there's different things I'm doing outside. And the biggest thing that I've found that's kind of helped me um, actually not just burn out and blow up and everything is to really time block things. Like time blocking is is um, a, real, a big game changer. Like I'll just literally schedule on my calendar like two hours and it's like it's like a meeting with myself to where I'm working on this project or working on that project. And it's been a big game changer for me. Um, I, you know, I guess in regards to like where I think it's going to go, like where I, what my plan is with this. I mean, honestly, like I'm really just kind of winging it. Like I, I don't have like a, a complete, like this is the goal. Like, I, I mean, I, I think if I had to zoom out a little bit more, like I want to make an impact on like helping people make money. Uh, it's the reason I got into real estate. It's the reason I like investing is just to help people build those investments to like build wealth and then um, live a happier life. Right. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm a big believer that anybody can build wealth if they really try. Like it, it's, I mean, obviously people are in different circumstances and there, and there's, there's everybody starts from a different starting point. Right. So that's no doubt about that. But I, I'm a big believer that if you, if you really want to build wealth and you set that as your North star, like you can do it. And that's what I want to help people do and, and kind of realize. Um, and that's, that's what I do with my content. Like I try to put out content that's easy to absorb for people who are just beginning and help them turn on that light bulb in their head like oh well yeah i can build wealth it is this easy i mean it's not easy it's building wealth is easy but i guess executing is the harder part right like doing what you need to do it takes discipline and that's that's the hardest part of it and that's kind of why i've started to shift to more of like motivational content like i, I don't want to be like i don't want to be like a motivational influencer but it, it is important to get people into like 
that aspect to work. So like a lot of it is behavioral. Like it's all it, at the end of the day to be a good investor or to be good at anything, it's discipline and it's it's a behavioral aspect. So that's kind of why I shifted to that type of content because that's that's just as important as like I, I could tell people to go open up a Roth IRA because there's that tax benefit, but they're not going to listen if there's like if, if they don't um, have that like push to go and do it. Right. So that's kind of my my um, take on that. So and I guess so my overarching goal would probably be just to help more people build wealth. Um, that That's um, I think that's probably my North Star where I want to go with that. I, I don't really know at the moment, but I, I kind of just kind of follow my gut and just kind of try different things. And it, depending on what route it goes, then I'll kind of go with that. And if it gets me closer to my goal of trying to help people build wealth, then then I'll kind of go more with it, I guess. And you, and you said earlier that you, you primarily focused on index investing sort of in the beginning. Um, has your strategy changed? And then also just like as a side question, would you ever or have you ever invested in real estate? Because that's something that I'm very active in and something that I believe power of. And so I just want to know if what your opinion was on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, index investing remains like the bulk of my um, investment strategy. I would say I probably have around 10% like individual stocks that I've picked based on like research I've done. Um, and then I, I do have some REITs, which are the real estate uh, funds and whatnot. I, um, I, I have, I'm actually working with a couple of fr close friends to where we're looking to start some Airbnbs to get into that, jump into the uh, real estate world. Um, but that's that's still something TBT. We're still kind of figuring out the details on that. Um, but that's um, definitely something I want to do is to jump into like kind of diversify my investment portfolio more into the real estate world rather than just REITs. I mean, I think I'm going to jump into the Airbnb game um, on that end. It's just right now the inventory is very hard to find anything out there, <laughs> as you know. So yeah, uh, uh, we're kind of probably going to wait a little bit longer just to kind of see what happens um, with the inventory and everything. But um, definitely on the agenda on my radar is, is to have some sort of more of a core real estate investment, whether it be an investment property, an Airbnb, some, something on the lines of that. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm always, I, I guess, like my, my investment strategy is always open to like kind of be curated depending on like new things I learn. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the index investing strategy just because it's hard to, first of all, time, I mean, or figure out or how to beat the market to begin with. 90% um, of professional investors fail to beat the S&P 500 in the long term, which I think what recently happened these last week kind of was a big reality check to some people who are chasing growth stocks is because, you know, they don't always go up. Surprise. Um, but um, I, I think kind of being open to different investment strategies is a good idea, which is why I don't mind like throwing one or two percent to like different investment strategies to kind of try new things out. Um, I'm still skeptical of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Um, I, I, I like like I like the idea of it. Like it makes sense. But like I just the hype around it is what what is like a red, a red alert on my my end. Right. Anytime I see a massive media hype around things is kind of like a red flag to me. <laughs> so um, I, I like Bitcoin, but I just I don't know from an investment standpoint if it's a solid plan. I mean, I'll probably get a lot of pushback on that. But um, it's just it's something that anytime there's big hype around it. It's it's just an immediate red flag to some sort of bubble or um, manipulation. <laughs> right, because it's hard to evaluate if none of that hype was there, what would it be? And it would be so easy to take that hype away. And then at that point, how big of a hit would you take if you had, you know, say 10%, like I, I see a lot of these people are doing 10% of their entire investment portfolio into just Bitcoin alone. And so it's, 
and and if you see the swings just from say somebody like Elon, I mean, uh, how much of it is based on its true underlying value and its ability to be used? I mean, it's I definitely agree with you. It's very tough to quantify. And my whole philosophy on even like with IPOs or like with cryptocurrencies in general is like if they're really as good as they as people say they are, like I'm okay with like waiting a year and letting letting the market kind of or like watching it and see how it performs. And if it's really as good as everybody says, then waiting a year or two will be okay because there's there's ideally going to be still a bunch of upside. So if Bitcoin really is the answer and that, and that's the that's what the you know the world's going to turn to. Um, as that develops, like I'm willing to wait a little bit and wait on the sidelines and like watch it develop. And if that story continues to like hype up and maybe it becomes true, then I think I could still jump in and there'll, there'll still be an enormous amount of upside if it really is as good as people claims it to be. Right. So I'm okay with like waiting on the sidelines and not getting into like the initial hype. Um, I mean, obviously you'd miss out on some of the, uh, like the extensive growth, right? I mean, if you, if you jump into IPOs, you can, and you get them early on, you can really get a crazy amount of returns. But like, I'd rather wait just to kind of de-risk it a little bit. And then, like I said, if it's as good as it, everybody claims it's going to be, then I'll jump in and there's there should be still a good amount of upside to have if it's really good. So that's kind of my whole philosophy that I've taken with investing. Um, it's uh, I, I don't think jumping into every hype thing is a good idea. Um, I mean, obviously, we've already seen some things kind of play out and it doesn't seem like a good idea. but. I think if people realize like being able, being willing to like be patient and watch things play out and realize that if things are good, then they, they will be good ideally for a longer period of time. And then there'll be plenty of times to jump in later. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a very level-headed way of thinking. I think that that, that sort of coincides with your long-term strategy. And that's something that a lot of people I think are lacking is a lot of people just don't have that level-headedness. They're just going for the huge swings and then they're not prepared. Um, for the huge downsides and, and, and people don't show that on social media. Do you have an opinion on that? People just don't show their losses on social media when they're trading like that? I think it makes sense. I mean, most of those traders are trying to make money from selling their courses or whatever. So, um, <laughs> it's just marketing for them. The, the, yeah, the yeah. businesses don't, um, don't get as much, uh, momentum as the, <laughs> the gains. So they're, they're just, they're controlling their narrative, which it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's human nature. I mean, we're all, we, they all have, they have their brand and they're going to paint their brand the way they want to paint it. Um, that's why you got to take social media with a grain of salt, because like you said, you, you only see the, you're only going to see the good sides of what people put out there. Um, nobody really puts their losses out there. Um, so I think taking any, like even my page, like I think people should take it with a grain of salt. Like it's crazy. Like how people DM me, I'll give them my opinion and they take it with like, it's like certainty. I'm like, no, like, no, like I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> like, I, I think the fact that people put so much trust into pe random people on the internet is crazy to me. Um, and it's, I mean, I guess it's, I, I hope that this is not a trend that continues to escalate. Like, I hope people start to take a step back and they're like, oh, maybe we should start kind of questioning things and thinking more for ourselves. Because the best investors out there are ones that can think for themselves. Like, they're free thinkers, like the Warren Buffett, the Charles Munger. Like, these people are, they're like philosophers and they can think for themselves. And that those are the best investors. The investors who can't think for themselves and they, they basically just go off with what's hype and like what's, what everybody's doing like those are the ones that usually get hit the hardest because you know they they don't think through investments that as they should um so I, I think at least one core takeaway should be that people take anything that they hear with a grain of salt and i, I don't want to get all f philosophical but I, I think questioning everything is a good thing to do especially in the social media world um I, I think if you can take that habit on you'll be first of all a lot better of an investor 
And then not only that, you'll be a better social media person because you're not going to just take what people say for, you know, what it is because there, there tends, I, social media lacks context. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I hope the world is kind of going to wake up to. Um, it might not, but you know, I, I think things would get better if it did. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't fit, you can't fit the context into a 30 second video or, or into, you know, a five second glance at a post. I mean, it really is like you said, thinking for yourself. And even at, for me as a small page, it's like, I'm getting DMs about like, hey, what's the best stock to invest in? What's What are some index funds you recommend? I'm just like, I, it became so bad. I put a disclaimer in my bio, like this is not financial advice because people are like, they want to take this to heart. And it's very rare to find someone who just, you know, they want to see both sides. It's like, okay, you gave me those suggestions. Now what are the downsides? And if I invested in this, it's on me. It's not on you. So like, it's, yeah, it's definitely a balance. It's a, it's a really weird time we're living in how people are just so susceptible to suggestion on social media and hopefully it gets better in the future. I, I sure hope so, man. I mean, and that's, I guess that's kind of the strategy I take as well is like, I try to put content out there that helps people think like that thinks through their investments. I get a lot of blowback on it to where I, I call out hype stocks sometimes like, oh, you, you know, you're a boomer. You don't know what you're doing. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think those are the que- like, you have to kind of question what's going on in the market like that. The best investors like Warren Buffett, like these are guys that are willing to like go against what the market's doing. Right. If you only go with what the market's doing, then you're you're going to fall for all of the market tricks. Right. So like you, you kind of have to take that contrarian contrarian approach to where, you know, I mean, Warren Buffett said it best, be fearful when everybody's greedy and be greedy when everybody's fearful to where when everybody starts to get all on these hype trains and they're like, oh, this is the next stock right here. Like, that's when I start questioning, like, ah, that's probably not the best stock, you know, that's probably not the next one to jump on into. And that, that's kind of how I feel with Bitcoin. Um, like, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with it. Like, it could be the next like big thing. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't like how fiat currencies just get printed like it's nothing. So like I understand that argument of Bitcoin being the next thing to kind of hedge against fiat, which I, I mean, I like that part of it. Like that's probably the best part I think of it. But where I kind of start to lose interest is where it starts to get on this hype train, right? To where it, it seems like how it's how um, how it is with some of these crazy growth stocks to where people just kind of think it's only going to go up. And um, not only that, I mean, Bitcoin doesn't have it, like you said, any any fundamental value. So the, the only thing that ha- that it has going for it is just the trust people put into it, which I, I like to invest in things that have like cash flow and growth. Like I, I want to buy a machine, like a cash flow machine, a business that grows and builds their cash flow. Um, I, I like those type of investments versus like just, you know, no fundamental backing to them type of investments. Um, so, I mean, I, and I, I could be completely wrong. Like Bitcoin can go up to $10 billion next month or whatever, you know, and I, I would be wrong. But um, I, I think just asking those questions, like just kind of taking that approach of like, well, what what if like or, or at least building that red flag in the back of your mind, like when when the hype starts to build around something like try to take the different perspective, like, well, why is the hype there? Like, you know, and, and I think if you take that approach, like you'll do um, a lot better as an investor um, and, and you won't fall for those um, those short term market tricks, if you will. Um, especially if you're trying to be like, I'm not trying to invest for just five years. Like I want to be an investor for like 20, 30, 40 years. Right. So like, I, I realize that the market's not always going to be like this. Like we're, and, and the best way to be, uh, in my opinion, in my research, like to be a successful investor is to be able to survive the downturns and the, and the market, the market crashes. Right. And that, that's the most important part is to stay in the market. So if you're jumping into all these, these stocks that 
are more susceptible to market downturns, um, like growth stocks, then you know you you have a larger chance of not surviving markets or market crashes. So I I think taking the approach like long term approach is the right way. I mean history has shown that. Um, I mean, if, if you if you invest for the long term, you tend to outperform short term investors. Um, I, I just I, and I think it has something to do like my, my I, I start to question like, well, why why doesn't everybody invest long term if it's so logical? And I mean, I, I guess just because it's human nature, right? Like we're behavioral creatures. So we want things instantly. You know, it's like the instant gratification. So like it's it's human nature. Right. I mean, we're all susceptible to it. I mean, there's things I want. like I want to be rich quick and everything. But, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back and just realize you got to be rational. Right. Um, and I think rationality is something that the market today lacks and i mean probably the world in general kind of lacks a little bit um I, like i'm opt i'm an optimistic person like I, I think being like a rational optimist which there's a book out there about that but i think being like a rational optimist is the way to go um because then you're not going to fool yourself but you're still realizing that there's there's an insane amount of growth trajectory for like the world and then opportunities in the long term um but I mean, you don't want to be an irrational optimist where you think things are going to happen quicker than they are. Like, I don't think we're going to have um, uh, a, like 100 percent consumer, um, 100 percent consumer jump into like um, automated cars and, you know, like uh, self-driving cars and whatnot next year. Right. Like and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they will. But like, I think that's that's still like 10 to 15 years out, probably. Like, I think that's more of a rational thought. I mean. Um, but, but people like the way they're investing right now, like they, they're, they're, these, these valuations are going up to where they think it's going to happen like next year or two like this. Um, so I, I think just being more rational is, is probably a better approach to go with it. Um, it sounds weird that I have to say that. And, and I feel like it's, you know, it's just cause there's a lot of irrationality out there in the market right now. Um, so <laughs> I, and every are you saying not doge to the moon? I mean, <laughs> I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's it's crazy. Um, I, I I do I do hope that investors like try to take more of a long term approach. I mean, that's that's what I preach on a daily basis. Um, if if I can help, and and I have helped people. Like I get DMs all the time, like, oh, thank you so much for not letting me jump into this hype, and like you you helped me be more rational or whatever. Like if I can help people do that, like I'll call that a win in my books. Like I just want people to do well, make money, but I want them to do it like the way that most like I don't want them to gamble like I, I think throw, unless you unless you want to gamble but most people like want to make money and they think the only way to do that is to gamble which I want them to realize that that's not the only way like you can literally do it like a, a better more proven way which is like slowly long-term investing it's not as sexy but it's tends to outperform short-term investing to begin with right exactly I mean you say it yourself it outperforms short-term investing and that's not to say you know other types of investing are bad I mean if you want it's really like you said it's about branding yourself I mean you branded yourself as an index investor who preaches that philosophy some other people you know they branded themselves as day traders or swing traders I mean it really is kind of what your brand is backing and uh, you know if people like your information so I mean you know you're the index investor there's day traders out there I mean just do what works for you and do it rationally though. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and yeah, nothing against like day traders. Like I mean there there are day traders out there that make money. Like that's significant like they're good at it, you know. And a lot of that comes down to discipline and and they contrary to what people think, like a lot of the best day traders like have that longer term approach to where they they know that it's, it's all risk management, right? So like that's that's kind of what they they still kind of have a similar philosophy, but it, it kind of has worked for them in, in their aspects. So yeah, like you said, there's there's tons of different ways to invest and strategies. 
I guess the approach I take is like it's a, it's a, it's more boring, like longer term index investing is not sexy to preach about. But um, it's it's a very easy way for, I think, most people to build wealth. Like you, it, it's just you can literally buy and hold. And as long as the overall economy continues to do well and the U.S. economy grows, then your your stocks will grow, which I think is it's very easy for people to grasp. And like anybody can really jump into it with not much market information. Um, I mean, you, you can literally just invest in index funds and and uh, not have to do research, not have to really care about what's going on in the market. You just as long as you keep that longer term approach and, and be patient and, and don't fall victim to the market noise in the short term, like you'll, you'll likely do, you'll likely be very successful as long as the overall economy continues to grow, which if history has shown us anything, it, it has for hundreds of years. And um, our economy has been through a lot and it's been able to, you know, brush it off like it's nothing uh, constantly. So we, we've never not survived a recession or a crash. And I, I think that speaks a lot of um, what, how, how capable the economies are and how powerful they are. Uh, I mean, Warren Buffett says it best, like never bet against America. Like I, I completely agree with that, you know, like, um, I mean, obviously there's, there's aspects to like, you know, where, where we can all sit here and, and say what's wrong with everything. But um, I think as an economical stronghold, like the United States has, is very good at what it does with the markets and whatnot. So I, I wouldn't, I think investing in that long term is, is a good approach. Um, and I, I mean, that, that's my opinion, but I mean, also like I look at the like who's done it very successfully, like Warren Buffett is a big idol of mine, and that's also his ideology as well. So like if, if a invest, one of the most successful investors thinks that, like I'm willing to kind of give him the credibility and, and also see where he's coming from and agree with him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really great thing. And, and people sort of discredit even the people that have been so successful over longer than we've been alive. Uh, it, it kind of blows my mind to see so many new investors now sort of discrediting everything that the old successful long-term investors who have created and generated extreme wealth, um, their principles and everything. So I'm, I'm very glad to hear that a page that's your size has you behind it and that that's what you believe. And uh, I think that's really good just to have more. I wish there were more people like you running these pages just because I think that would be per- that would promote a healthier investment um, cycle in America. 100%, yeah. And I, I think a lot of, because I've seen it all the time where people like discredit Warren Buffett, like, oh, he's old school, whatever. Um, which, I mean, obviously, he's he's not like into the tech stuff. And I, I still think that all of, like most of his points like hold true. And not only that, like most, most of these newer Instagram investors that are kind of jumping in the world, like just started investing like last year, I want to say like March, 2020. Like most investors, like in the Instagram niche, are like brand new, so they haven't really experienced like all the downturns, like a real recession, right? Like a 2008 recession. Um, I I haven't experienced that, so like I mean I, I can't say that I would, you know, I, I can't speak from experience, but I can speak from the research I've done, and um, you know, I, I would rather follow Warren Buffett's philosophy, who's who's a person that's been able to, um go through multiple cycles, multiple market cycles and survive them versus somebody who started last year and claims that Warren Buffett doesn't know anything and they've made 120% a year for the past year or two and they, they know better than Warren Buffett. Like, I'm like, no, I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> like, you, no. I have a, like if, they, if somebody has a long-term track record and, um, and they, pre, and they um, have some sort of philosophy around it, like, yeah, if you have a track record to back up what you're saying, then I would say, yeah, I, I would, I would give you credit where it's needed. But, um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these newer investing pages and um, people jumping in, like uh, the last, the last year, 
it's been better to be in growth stocks than value stocks or, or index investing, right? Growth stocks have done tremendously well, which is awesome. Um, but that doesn't mean they're always going to be doing well, right? I mean, they, I mean, they could for like the next two or three years, like there maybe even 10 years, but things don't only go up <laughs> contrary to popular belief. Um, and you, and you gotta, I think you gotta have some sort of, you gotta be able to have a wiggle room for things to not go as planned and, and for the market sentiment to change because the market sentiment will change eventually. It always changes. I mean, it literally changed last week for a little bit to where the market sentiment started to jump away from growth stocks. Um, so like you gotta be able to ride those waves and the waves are unpredictable. Like nobody knows what waves are going to come to us. So I, I like to use the analogy of like surfing. Like that's literally what it is. As an investor, you're a surfer. You got to ride those market waves, whatever comes at you. And if you're only expecting the good, perfect, you know, slim waves, like you're going to be setting yourself up for failure because the ocean's not always just going to throw perfect waves at you, you know, which I think is what's happening now where a lot of newer investors got into where we had a perfect wave that just came in, right? This nice, smooth wave and people just, oh, surfing's easy, right? This is easy. Everybody could do it. But, you know, they're not going to be ready for when the a choppy wave comes and they, they can't survive that. Right. So um, that that's kind of the approach I've taken. Um, and it's it's something that I um, that I hope helps people, which I, I based on some of the DMs I've gotten, it has. So I, I get people who say that things like that, that I've been able to help them. And, and that kind of encourages me to keep going because I, I don't want to be some guy just throwing out things that people aren't listening to. But um yeah, that, that's kind of my approach. Um, and, and like I said, like I, I don't like I, I like to stay to that core philosophy of like the long term investing, because like that's that's what's proven time and time again has been like the best way to go. Um, I, I'm not going to be like naive to say that other investment strategies aren't the way to go, because I think any type there's so many different strategies and, and each strategy works for different types of people. Um, and I think as long as people realize that, you know, different strategies can work, um, that's OK. Like I'm not saying day traders suck or any of that. Um, I just think long-term investing tends to do well long-term, and I think more people can benefit from that, um, and it's just easier to do. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a good philosophy to have, and I think uh, I think with that last question, we're going to wrap it up. Andrew, you got anything else? Well, from being an independent agent, joining on with another team, going back to being an individual, starting up the market hustle, sort of taking over the finance Instagram scene, um, and having such a healthy approach while doing the entire thing and having so much balance and being able to sustain happiness and, and being able to do that the entire time, I think is definitely an inspiration. And I just wanted to thank you very much for coming out to our podcast. And I hope to talk to you again very soon. Hey, no, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm, I'm excited to kind of share the podcast and um, hope people can get some good takeaways from it. Um, and yeah, definitely would enjoy maybe doing some sort of follow up later down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Have a good one. Cool. Have, Have a good one. one.